I would argue, given that the situation we're currently in, I would go as, as far as to say that the federal government has lost control of, of these inflows. Well, that's not very comforting now, is it? And these are uh, questions I think a lot of people are asking. What the heck is going on with immigration in this country? Uh, because we get new year, uh, new end of year numbers from Stats Canada, and it reveals a whole lot of um, what we didn't know. And that is we've brought in even higher numbers than expected. Another 430,000 immigrants in just the last quarter. So essentially, if you want to put it into a little bit of perspective, we literally just shave a few people off, created the population of Hamilton, a city of Hamilton we created in three months in this country, and just threw it on the pile. Here, find houses, find rentals, find jobs, find doctors, find all these things. It's a massive number because it's on top of other numbers that we were already breaking records on. And now we're seeing the kind of population growth that we have not seen since 1957. But our population's at 41.7 million people. And this adding of a city of Hamilton to our country is going to bring numbers of people we've brought in just this year to almost 1.5 million. That's a hell of a lot of people. And it's a huge amount of people when you're in a rental and housing shortage. When only one in five of us can get a doctor. And when a majority of this country no longer see immigration or diversity necessarily as a strength. Mikhail Skudarud, professor of economics, University of Waterloo, director of Canadian Labor Economics Forum, and the man who raised and stated the question I think a lot of people are saying is, what the hell's going on with this government? Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me, Alex. Where did these numbers um, come out of and, and why did they go um, undetected? Because we already knew from this government, you know, 500,000 people they want to bring in a year of, of uh, permanent residents, but they also had 900,000 international students. So we were already over our skis. And then, of course, it's like, oops, forgot these people. Like, how did they not know that? I think part of the, the, the issue, Alex, is that the non-permanent resident population at any point in time in Canada has historically been a very small population. And so Statistics Canada didn't put a lot of effort into counting it. And so there was no infrastructure in place until quite recently. We didn't have a, a data series on the size of this population. They only started that in September in response to people like me and a few other people <laughs> advocating for it. And, and so now we have a data series where I can follow it and I can post <laughs> the numbers. And yesterday, what all that happened was, was we got an update on it and, and I posted that chart and, and it shows those increases that you, that you referred to. Yeah. And, and, you know, what people like immigration. We know that we need immigration. People here are not having enough babies. And so, yes, we need to bring people in. And we've always been known for having a very good system. People aren't feeling like that anymore, Right. And when you look at the workers that we're talking about, this blip of 430,000 people, we're talking uh, temporary workers, refugees, and study permit holders that are just coming in. It's just like they're just coming in. And when you see that, what goes through your mind? Yeah, so Alex, the only reason I'm talking to people like you, you know, I, I've been a professor at the University of Waterloo for over two decades 
Um, you know, I, I didn't talk to the media. I just hid out in my office for years. But I, I study immigration. This yeah. is what I do. This is yeah. the only expertise I have. And it's become very topical. So now people are talking to me. And, and, and when I hear things like, you know, we need immigrants, it's critical for the economy, there's an aging population, mm-hmm. I, I kind of just shake my head. And I'm not alone. I think all economists who study immigration in Canada shake their heads and say, this really doesn't make any sense. There, there has been a hyperbolic narrative that's been created in Canada. Um, we can talk about who's created it. I think I have some ideas, but it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not consistent with the economics research in Canada on immigration mm-hmm. that, that we need. That doesn't mean there aren't good reasons for immigration. I'm an immigrant. I love immigration. I'm pro-immigration. But this economic narrative really doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And, and there have been a warnings for quite a while. Um, don't do this. Don't go too fast on this. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, here we are. Um, but this is a government that made this part of their uh, legacy. Uh, in 2015, they started, you know, increasing and increasing. But where we are now is, you know, the Bank of Canada says these bloated numbers are, are fueling inflation because, of course, when you get too many people in, then we're all competing for rentals and buying housing. So that is now fueling inflation. But it is really, I think, starting to anger people. A couple of polls, and I'm sure you've seen them coming out in the last month or so, showing and it's not white people. They said even non-whites, a higher number of non-whites, people who spent thousands of dollars, years trying to get in this country, they're not happy. They don't see this as, as the path to immigration of what made this system, um, you know, a good system. And so there is this rising anger where people are, are starting to, I guess, resent those coming in because they see them as the problem makers, you know, putting a, a cost of living on everyone. I, I can't do any better than you just did, Alex. <laughs> you know, that, that's exactly the crux of the issue. You know, if we know anything about the economics of immigration, it's that immigration has distributional effects. That means there are winners and losers. Who are the winners? Well, if you want to be a winner, you want to make sure you're on the opposite side of every market to where the immigrants are, the newcomers. So where immigrants are buying stuff, you want to sell it, like mortgages or immigration consultancy services. Immigration lawyers are doing fantastically. Mm-hmm. Um, housing. But where immigrants are sellers, you want to be a buyer. So where immigrants are selling their labor, you want to be an employer, you know, hiring these people. So the, the employers of immigrants are going to win. But if you live in an immigrant community in Brampton or in Scarborough, where newcomers are settling and you need to compete for rental housing for jobs with these folks, it's much less clear what the benefits are. And what you just said is exactly right. If you look at the most recent polling, the biggest increase in dissatisfaction is among first-generation immigrants in Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I don't see it getting uh, better. And if you're just joining us, we're speaking with uh, Professor Mikhail Skudarud, who's been uh, reacting to these particular new immigration numbers. And so the other the other thing that I saw in, in these numbers and, and the part of the takeaway, and maybe you can correct me or maybe broaden on it, is, you know, who we're bringing in. Because we're not bringing in people necessarily to fill the labor shortages. You know, we have massive labor shortages, but we find out like the construction shortages I've got, we got right now 100,000. These people we're bringing are not qualified for that. Um, so what are they qualified for? You know, we need to bring in people who can add to the economics and the country uh, and, and add positives. When when everybody becomes a negative that we're bringing in, uh, then it becomes, I think, a drag on the system. And that's what we are concerned about is bringing in people who just are going to be cheap labor because that then hurts everybody. 
Yeah, so I'm going to push back on the narrative of labor shortages. There's no economist in Canada who studies labor markets who believes this narrative that there's a labor shortage crisis in Canada. It just doesn't hold up with any data, with any evidence. Mm -hmm. It is a narrative that is pushed by the business lobby in Canada because it serves their interests. Mm -hmm. You know, what we have in Canada is a labor productivity problem. You know, GDP per capita is falling. The way you get workers to be more productive is you provide them with more capital, more machinery and equipment and technology to work with. When interest rates are rising, that is capital is getting more expensive and labor is getting cheaper because we're providing more and more cheap labor. That incentivizes businesses to become more labor intensive, not more capital intensive. That lowers labor productivity. That lowers wages. That lowers GDP per capita. That lowers average living standards in the population. So I think the major problem we have in this country is this labor shortage narrative has somehow taken over, mm-hmm. and it's nonsense. It literally is nonsense. Yeah, but if they repeat it enough, uh, Professor, then at some point it becomes true. I would say education right. and the way we've taught um, you know, kids in the last 20, 30 years, we've pushed them all into universities where they learn uh, basket weaving and politics, and then we don't have anybody going to labor uh, schools you know, yeah. f- for those jobs, which are great jobs, right? Great jobs. Right. If you look at what's happening to wages of people in skilled trades in Canada, I I plot this on social media. I I create these charts. These wages are falling. It's not that they're flat. They're literally falling in the most recent years. Wages for carpenters, electricians. If we're trying to incentivize young people in Canada to go into the trade, this is not how you do it. Yeah. (laughs) No, you know, you tell them, but you tell them, Professor, there will always be a broken toilet and you'll always make money. So you want to make a quick 300 bucks for your Friday night beer. Get a trade and then go to university. But that's what I'll be doing. Just quickly before I let you go, um, you're pretty blunt in your assessment of this. And, and we'll hear otherwise from, from government. I think this is going to be, have to become an, an election issue. Uh, I hear about it every day. If there's one issue people are really angry about, it's this. They feel it's too much, too soon, and it's changing this country, not for the more positive. But is our immigration system broken? And if so, how do, how do we fix it? No, it's absolutely not broken. These are not hard shifts. They're, they require some political courage. But, you know, the system we had prior to 2020 was a much better system. The biggest change that needs to happen is we need to get away from an emphasis in immigrant selection that focuses on plugging holes in low-skill labor markets, which is what we've moved to, to back to a system that's focused on attracting and retaining top talent. Highly What, like doctors who don't drive cabs? That would be a great idea. No, but yeah, the, the, again, yeah, yeah. false narratives, yeah. false narratives. <laughs> just, if you look at immigrants that have graduated from places like the University of Waterloo and the University of Toronto and UBC and top university, they do exceptionally well. This is where we're, but that's not where the growth in immigration is. Yeah. The University of Waterloo has hardly seen any increase in their foreign student population. It's all happening at Conestoga College down the road. So, I mean, we, we need to get back to an honest conversation, a fact-based conversation, and away from these kind of nonsense narratives. All righty. Well, I have a feeling we'll be talking about this, and I'm calling you. Okay. I appreciate your, uh, your, your candor. Thank you so much, and I'll wish you uh, the best uh, throughout Christmas and the holidays. Yeah, you too, Alex. Thank you for having me. There you go. That is uh, Professor Mikhail Scooterud. I love guys like that. I love people like that. Just say it like it is.